Hello? Sorry. Hello? Now I've got Wait, to remember what, what to are we say. doing again? Hello? <laughs> so. Hello. Wait, what, what are we doing Hello. Hello. Wait. Wait. Wait, what are we doing? Wait. Oh, I don't know. That's all right. <laughs> anything goes. Oh, anything goes. I love that song. Let it, let's get right up in that lap, Chloe. Oh, yeah. Hello, Chloe Black. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm all right. Oh. Yeah. I'm much better today. I've just been and got my second dose of the AstraZeneca vaccination, which means I am, as they say, fully vaxxed, mate. <laughs> more six, six, six stuff, mate. Oh, the vaccine is at maximum capacity, and I am fully into it. <laughs> I'm really excited. I mean, I know it sounds it sounds weird, and there's so much going on about it, yeah. but like the feeling that I've got right now, having had my second dose, knowing I can book my daughter in on Monday, it's like I'm excited that the yeah. world actually survived this, and I haven't felt Bloody. like that last week. I know. Did you have any side effects like the first time around? My first dose of AstraZeneca was really, really intense. Like I had a very bad sort of flu reaction, which is really normal. And it says that in the, you know, it it warns you that that can happen and stuff. So, you know, but I had a nasty kind of flu fevery day and then it passed. But if that's anything like what it's like to have, (laughs) that does not sound like a fun cold slash flu slash disease. Yeah. Yeah. How about I know, you? I didn't, I didn't right. have any side effects, but that kind of made me sad. I don't have any superpowers. Super, super <laughs> you had Pfizer, right? Yeah, yeah. My erection won't go away. <laughs> That's right, because they made Viagra. There was that movie that Jake Gyllenhaal and, and Hathaway were in that was all about Pfizer. Oh, well, it wasn't originally, yeah, it wasn't originally developed as an erection drug. It was a side effect, and the drug was actually originally for something else. Yeah, it's for a heart I think medicine. It is now. Well, I guess that's the classic thing with a lot of medicines is that maybe like Invermectin, maybe you didn't want to like deworm a horse. <laughs> you actually wanted yeah. to stop having an epileptic fit, or I don't know. If they use it for something. Yeah. For sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. You might not be disappearing into a K-hole at a club. You might just have a really nasty burn injury. <laughs> That's right. You never know. You, you might not know. even be in a club. You might be at home in bed. Don't judge. <laughs> That's right. Oh, are you okay. up to London this weekend or is that another weekend? Uh, no, that was well, that was last weekend. How did it go? Did you buy any records? Uh, no, no time for stopping in for records. But... Um, it was fun. It was good. I think a road trip with my friend Jules, and we stayed in a hotel. Very swish. I mean, like you know, we went halves in a hotel and all that jazz. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Very swish. Give us that little UHT milk. <laughs> yes, there was a bit of that. That's right. No expense there. Sorry, no if my dog. Vic, you can come in here. Vic, you can come in here. I tried to bring you in here when I started recording because I knew you would start barking. Apparently. <laughs> The type of dog I got barks a lot. And oh, I should have no. I didn't really do, you know what? I realized I had massive confirmation bias when I was researching dogs because I basically only looked at good things and I didn't really find out anything about this breed. <laughs> yeah, right. So I realized that because the thing that happened with my vaccination was I got the date wrong and I, I looked over two reminder text messages and a little piece of paper that I'd had in my car since 12 weeks ago yeah. and could not have told me that it didn't say the 10th of September. 
And it said the seventh, but every time I looked at it, my brain said, yep, the tenth, good. And I was like, look, you look at me and think, how, how did my mind do that? Yeah, right. Was it, was it a fancy looking one with a little serif on the top? Maybe it was like a seven. (laughs) I wish it was like, actually, I started putting that line through my sevens a while ago because of that fear that I might mistake. I do it because it looks different. I like the look of it too. Have you ever found yourself and you've done the little bit and then the long bit and then the bit at the bottom and then you go, fuck, and I can't bother doing this for the next one. And so the next one is just just a line. And people are like, is this one I or 11? Oh my God. Yeah. And it's like the little upside down stocking leg. And I think, yeah, that's too much effort for the first one. It really puts you (laughs) off the rest of it. So lovely and swoosh. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I do the little serif on the one anymore, just unless unless I'm trying to differentiate it from the letter I or something. But, um, and that's tricky as well, like capital I. Do you, you know, you have so many options. Maybe that's what's wrong. There's too many options. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. It's, it's lovely long. to talk to you. I have missed you. Um, okay. This whole I feel really bad about our last way our conversation ended. Oh, we had a chat. Well, actually, and to, to fill in the listeners, we we you know, I'm assuming that the listener may want to know what we're referring to because it won't, you won't have heard it. Like mm. I had a really bad week. Um, I had a lot of stress. I was moving. Um, I was really sad and yeah. we, we tried to make one, but it's, it sort of just wasn't, it's not something I would want to put myself through again. And I figure <laughs> yeah. that's a benchmark. I don't want to listen back to that. Yeah, I felt so terrible because I go, oh, babe, so open your heart. Tell me. Oh, my lips here. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it, the timing was like, and I was thinking about that for you because I know you would go and you would feel that and feel bad. And I don't want you to because yeah. we do when we can, how we can with what we are. And I don't want you to, I felt like I was disappearing down a rabbit hole of feeling like I'm not as famous as you're on your way to being and maybe I never will be and that's actually by design and so but I keep craving being more connected to these communities not because I don't like I like creative people and creative people often tend to become quite popular and Mm. you know but for but I really honestly don't perceive any real difference between me and and anyone famous or anyone important or anyone you know or anyone at all, actually. So, yeah, it's just about, yeah. you know, and I, I don't like that perception that, you know, that some people get get successful and then, you know, maybe they don't have room for you in their life anymore. Well, that means they kind of never did, right? Hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, it's about being on different trajectories, I suppose, as well. So. And having um, different pressures. Like I can imagine having a friend that was really sort of like, you know, all caught up on the star. Maybe there's a there's two types of people in the world: people who get starstruck and like lose their shit mm-hmm. in, in their pants when they meet their famous people, and yeah. there's people who just go, "Hi, how are you?" And I was thinking, I don't, I, I was listening back to that story about pavement, and I was like, I didn't expect Stephen Mountless to be super excited to meet me. I just mm-hmm. expected him to be human and to say hello. I was being yeah. used to him. And there's another comedian who I won't name, who I have been a Melbourne comedian who I have been introduced to twice by a mutual acquaintance, and both times he has just blanked the experience. 
Like he's looked at me and thought, I don't want to know you. And I'm like, okay, fine. I don't really want to know you either. But now you're a dickhead. Who who is this, though? I can't tell you that. That would be But this is actually a young comedian doing well, gets on the ABC. And I was thinking, that's really douchey. Like it does it. And also the friend who was introducing me was an amazing person, musician and an academic. And I was thinking, what makes you think you're so great? Like really? What makes you think that you're like, I'm going to abuse the privilege of everything? Tom Gleason tells a story about meeting Guy Sebastian. (laughs) Um, And he goes, um, oh, hi, sorry, I'm Tom. And and Guy Sebastian went, yeah, great. (laughs) (gasps) I'm sorry, but that's me, that's like Tom Gleason is actually the famous person there. Guy Sebastian is a reality TV star, no matter what (laughs) you say about how famous he is now. And if you get Hmm. famous on reality TV, that's not the same as getting famous from being good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it's just not. And yeah, you might. And I, I remember meeting a, meeting a young hot shot comedian as well who um, did the same thing to me. I was like, it was really, I really called him on it because I was like, oh, sorry, have we ever met properly? I'm Chloe. He went, sorry, and I went, I'm Chloe. And he went, oh, great. And I was like, um, and uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds me of that beautiful story about Batters meeting Deb Conway. Yeah, Do you know right. that story? I don't think I know that story. It was a lovely story, and I'm sure that Deb Conway won't be offended, and I don't think Batters would be either. But Batters, yeah. who we're talking about, is an Adelaide musician, Canberra musician, part of a hugely important underground scene that spans Adelaide, Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, like, they're really, really great bands that Batters was in, but also he's, he's a really amazing person. His, his yeah. life was really important. And I think a lot of people, especially in Adelaide where he was living for quite a long time, feel very connected yeah. to him and love him and remember him dearly. But to someone hearing this story, it's like insert random name and Deborah Conway. So <laughs> yeah. Deborah Conway's brand is bigger, but Batters was equally cool. And mm. what happened was he was supporting her or they were both doing an interview or something and um so what happened was batters met deb conway and gave her a copy of his cd i think it was the one like the album one that he did with the drawing on the cover and i can't remember what it was called because i just heard all of his once so the releases aren't so you know sectioned off for me but anyway so batters gives her a copy of batters out of hell yeah yeah batters that it would have been batters out of hell and so uh, yeah so he says um you know, she he gives her this CD and she takes mm. it and thanks. And then he waits and then he looks at her and he says, and now you will give me one of your CDs. <laughs> right? That's so classic. I love it. So great. And it's such an equaliser and, like, I'm sorry, but, yeah, that's fair. And that's yeah, what I right. the world should be like that. The world should be like that as exactly. meeting different you know? Exactly. That's great. I love it. Love Deborah Conway. Well, what? Oh, I love Deborah Conway. Like, I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That that song. Wow, that yeah. was that was right up there with Fairground Attractions. Perfect, but just yeah. a great track to hear on a morning on the music yeah. show. You she know? played like um at Bad, the Batters tribute show of the ten year anniversary. Oh, that's a lot. At the corner. Cool. The Corner Hotel, it was really lovely because she, um, she kind of did a little funny uh, kind of mashup where <laughs> she talked about her music and his music and then played one of his tracks and then it, it kind of 
transformed into one of her tracks and back into one of his tracks again. I would bet that 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 relationship and that sense of connection to someone would have been forged in that moment that he he stood up for himself and said, "Okay, yeah, sure, yeah." And she says that her kids love his music and listen to it all the time. So I love it. I love yeah. Batters. There's nothing. There's nobody in the world. Never will be. Never has been like Batters. Batters is totally yeah. unique. And he was a certainly like one of those you know bright shining people. That's amazing. Just yeah, inventiveness and his creativity and just being, you know, um, yeah, just being amazing. And he's a great lesson in fame is not the result. Fame is the byproduct of being creative and cool and clever. No, he's not cool. Like, I don't know. Batters is beyond cool. Batters, for me, <laughs> yeah. like, anybody who, like, thinks that they're cooler than Batters is just wrong. so you can't be cooler than batters because batters i'm sorry i don't mean to go on about it and i wasn't such a personal friend as you were but like he he was a good kind brilliant loving awesome acerbic intelligent musically literate genius who happened to be part of the world that i was living in and i'm so grateful yeah it's great it's really yeah he's awesome and um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sort of, yeah, 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 I'm not sort of, my brain's not working either. I only just, I only woke up a couple of hours ago. I had a wonderful sleep in today. I've oh, been staying in bed till 11 a.m. What? She cray cray. And, um, <laughs> I've just been watching trashy TV. What have you been watching? Do tell. Oh, <laughs> my secret shame. I've been watching on this show on binge, just drama series from the mid 2000s. You might have seen it called Satisfaction? No, don't know anything oh. about it. Oh, my God, it's set in a, um, it's set in a brothel uh, in Melbourne and yeah. it ran for like five seasons or something like that and um, it had has Madeline West in it. Like, um, oh, I love her. Yeah, yeah, me and Madeline knew each other from the, doing improv years and years ago, so we kind of had a bit of a friendship. She was always very awesome too, always very awesome in her public presentation. She was on Neighbours and she could have been an absolute... Yeah. But she always was a real higher ground character. I've got a lot of time for that woman. Yeah, yeah. She's just really talented and really funny. And just, I don't know, just, she was the only, she was like the first famous person I became friends with. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, she's great. Um, and then, yeah, but it's just about they, they work in this, um, brothel and you know, they'll have their drafts and stuff like that. But it's so strange. There's something about, Screen, the script, screenwriting and then in the in Australian screen stories. So, and then that, how it's over a decade ago nearly, or more than a decade ago, that, um, some of the drama is just so earnest and kind of, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, well, it's like, you know, that episode of like 90210 when Brenda thought she might have breast cancer. Like, there has to be an earnest episode in every series. Yeah, true, true, exactly. But I don't actually don't believe in secret shames. I think if you enjoy it and you get something out of it, then your brain is somehow finding something in what you're watching that is really beyond what it might look like to somebody else and you just have to let it go. Like I was in love with this series made in like the late nineties. It was a British real kind of, you know, wonderfully trashy, like deliberately yeah. wonderfully trashy. So the husband goes out with the other girl and then the other girl ends up being the daughter of the blah, blah, blah. You know, it was my real soap opera plot. But the actors yeah. were so good. It was really compelling. And I loved yeah. it. What and show so, is this one? It's called Cutting It. 
um, at war in love. And so the two leads is like Amanda Holden and Sarah Parrish. But the other actors who were in it were people like Ben Daniels, who has gone on to be in things like The Crown and he's at the National Theatre. He was reading some wonderful monologue in my Instagram Mm. feed today, looking very earnest. And I was thinking, yeah, you're really good and you were really good in cutting it. There's no, you weren't any different. You were awesome in that, even though it was kind of fun rubbish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I kind of think that talent yeah. transcends material a lot. I have to go and watch it cutting it, you say. It's so much fun. I've got both, both, it would never, didn't do a third season, but I've got both seasons on DVD if ever you want to watch it. You should totally fucking, oh, you should totally. Yeah. Watch it. Oh, we can be. swear it, Sarah. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to dial back the unnecessary, gratuitous swearing. Like swearing is yeah. for when you need it. Yeah, like, okay. we, have a, we have our first guest. We have our first guest, my friend. Oh my Bing god! Is, yeah. Yeah. We are planning to have a guest. Yeah, do introduce me so that I know who he is and have a chance to get ready. So yeah, by all yeah. means, do a preamble, Chloe. I'd love it. Yeah, we can like catch up with him soon if you like. But he's a, he's a big K-pop fan, and you guys would get along like a of fun. And he loves um. And he really is enjoying our show a lot. <laughs> and I is this the bloke whose favorite BTS song he he re- revealed on our Facebook? Yeah, that, that's right. All right, yeah. cool. I've got no spoilers because, like, I really I'm looking. I think this sounds great. I'm I've got um quite a quite a lot of wall space in my new house, and I'm looking forward to getting some non-marking adhesive so that I can attach some BTS posters to the wall because I think that would cheer me up a lot. Yeah, great. <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And, oh, my God, I had a massive kind of, like, reality check with how thirsty the fandom is, and that's thirsty in the sense of a female sexual desire for a person or thing or some usually a bloke, actually. It's a very kind of heterosexual desire for yeah. a bloke and it's fantastic because like I always so thought thirsty, thirsty being like um, yeah thirsty, so thirsty I first heard it in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend I'd never heard it before I'm not in touch yeah 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 but you know whenever you know <laughs> I've seen I've heard like you know I've heard there's the concept of a thirsty pick a thirsty photo and it's usually like Yeah, a thirst trap. I love that one. Like a like a sort of Venus flytrap, you know, like an image because they do that with BTS a lot. Like they'll doctor images of the boys onto bodies that we don't normally get to see because BTS don't reveal their bodies. Um everything is always very concealed. They're very mindful of showing how they show you any part of their body. And yeah. That's yeah. because of the Korean culture, but it, it ends up being this kind of fabulous burlesque that you are watching, just dying for the shirt to, there's this like fan, fantastic moment where Namjoon accidentally ripped Jungkook's shirt and oh my God, the fandom loses it over that moment. Like, <laughs> held his shirt together and kept dancing, but, <gasps> and you're like watching with your eye, with your hand over your eyes and your fingers separated and going, I'm not looking, but I totally am. Oh. <laughs> wow, yeah, right. And the obsession with the abs, you know, like it's all, it's like having grown up in a culture where there, there's been a lot of bodily display and a lot of sexuality, like I don't think too much, but 
plenty. You know, like I've seen bodies and like I know what they look like. Whereas I think if you grow up in another culture, it's quite possible that you don't know what they look like. You don't really you haven't really seen them. Yeah. So yeah. I think there's two different two main differences between between cultures, and one is insure. Uh, interest and taxes and the other one is flesh and sex and yeah once for sure. those two factors out of it there's not a whole lot of difference between cultures you kind of realize that like you know there's that strange thing where you realize you maybe you occupy a different space or a different um that you have a totally different frame of reference to things than most people like i think i've well, talked to you about this before but maybe and but i remember this funny moment at my work when i was working at Vodafone. And like um, somebody was talking about like fetishes and kinks and stuff like that, and then someone said, "Oh, oh, my friend worked at Athletes Foot, the shoe store. I get this, get this." There was a guy in there. He would come in there and he would give the girls a hundred dollars to buy their used dirty shoes off them. And I just started clapping, and I was like, "Oh my god, that is fucking fantastic! That is the <laughs> most amazing thing." Talk about owning your shit. That is so cool. And everyone just looked at me aghast. Like, oh no, oh. Rado, you weren't in a friendly space for that. Oh, no, I'm, totally, I'm, I'm right there with you. It's like, yep, yep, well done. Well done, him. And for fronting up like that in daylight, <laughs> yeah, know, right? not at the back of the store, not at the little, you know, like the back of the store where they sell the frottage and whatever. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, they looked at me like I'm just kind of like, you know, said, oh, Hitler was just great. <laughs> I don't, you know, well, I think, I think, I don't think that's comparable. And I appreciate that you've said that, but I think really they're oh, almost yeah. saying, so you have secrets, I have secrets, but we don't normally say that we have secrets. And their shock hmm. is more about protecting their own secrets because, but also there are, there are a whole bunch of people who actually don't have any fetishes. Like, I've always yeah. said, I love, I love what I love, but I'm not particularly secretive or shamed about any of it. So it doesn't mm. function as a fetish with me. It's like, I like what yeah. I like. I don't make any apologies for it. So mm. I think there's an element of self-consciousness and shame that builds into the thrill of the fetish, which I don't ever get to really experience because I don't yeah. try. And, and, and I, but I get that that's a factor. I mean, it's like the used underwear in the vending machines in Japan. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, that, that leaves me a little cold. <laughs> but I get it. I don't get it. Yeah, but it's like you don't have to get it, I guess, is the thing. It's like yeah. Some, someone was telling me the other day that I should put my feet up on a foot fetish site because I'd make a lot of money. And I was thinking, I do have beautiful feet, but hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm not particularly motivated to do that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, as a foot fetish sometimes I take pictures of my feet sometimes with my fancy shoes I put my fancy shoes on and I put my legs and I lie sort of and put my legs up a wall or onto a piece of furniture just so I can admire them my legs in high heels are really they're very nice they they meet that standard of but I'm not bothered to maintain it often my legs aren't shaved or I haven't certainly not have a never had a pedicure yeah, I have a friend of mine who's gonna getting my she's going to beauty school. She's gonna shave. Oh, she's gonna wax me next week. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting! Hey, can we pause for one second while I go to the bathroom? Yeah, sure, sure. Do you want to just do you want to talk to the people while I'm gone, like I do when you're gone? Um, <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm not sure whether I'll say anything interesting. Well, look, I'll leave a recording and I'll come yeah. back. And if you decide to 
you know, share a secret with the audience without me, you know what? Cool. <laughs> no worries. All right. Have you stayed totally silent this whole time? Pretty much. (laughs) You might have heard me every couple of minutes I go. (laughs) Oh, Chloe, I do love you. We're very different, aren't we? Yeah, I don't know. I was just catching up on my socials, really, and reading up on... Um, You're probably just clicking tabs with gay abandon. Yeah. Because you know... <laughs> <laughs> She's not here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly that. I'm going to read that. Ah, dig, rock and roll, radio. Let's go, rock and rock radio. Let's go. Hey, speaking of rock and roll radio... Yeah. Can we talk about Amel and the Sniffers? Because you got me into them and I fucking love them. Oh, they're great, yeah. They Tell me found them, who they are, because you played me some mutts on YouTube and yeah. I have watched it so many times since. Yeah, really like a punk. Uh, you know, I'm typing, sorry, I'm typing in Amel and the Sniffers. No so tabbing, no typing. Really black. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, they're amazing. They're from Melbourne. They're a punk band and they um, rock my world. And the singer is like sex on a stick. <laughs> and the guys in the band are all sex on a stick. What's that? I said she's a Chico roll. She is a hot, yeah, right. thick, compact, yeah, I want it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, they're just amazing. And if you haven't heard them, check them out. I'm all I've got a new album coming out, right? Yeah. We're out come now, to, and they've won me. ARIA awards and stuff, which is yeah, yeah. amazing. It's amazing. So and, um, good. Yeah, just really, and I kind of like you know, like I just like really proud to be in Australia. How cool is this band? You feel proud to be an Australian listening to Amal and the Sniffers? I agree. I, mm. I actually dug back into um, because uh, you know my little black sheep that I have, Errol. Right, so Errol is the soul of rock and roll in a plush black sheep toy, and he yeah. does headbanging better than anyone. And obviously he's named after the Australian Crawl song for me as well. I mean, yeah. he's Errol, he was Errol even without knowing that. He was Errol from the beginning. But, mm. like, I was watching the video for Errol, and Guy McDonough was so beautiful, those wonky teeth, that little face. What a cutie. <laughs> Oh, and I always thought it was James Rain, James Rain. And then I'm like, well, who's this bloke singing? Because there's James Rain. He's in the hot tub and he's got perfectly straight teeth. And I think, yeah, you're obviously a hunk. Boring. Who's <laughs> got Yeah, yeah. I don't you like obvious They don't do it for me. But I love James you know, Rain. I guess, so, yeah, because James Rain had that, that twang, strine under him that was, you know, people made fun of for years. Fantastic singing voice. Mm-hmm. Like someone's like, I'm listening to Reckless and Slave. That's the song that we're playing. It was playing in in Retro Star when I was there, and I was like, this is a great song. I should go get to hear it as um. Don't eat your breakfast. (laughs) Throw down (laughs) your bun. (laughs) And that's like baked in the. Was it like um? She don't like 
we used to hear it, heard it as she don't like backgammon behavior. <laughs> That's like um, she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes the T-bird away, which I I always heard as till the day that they put her away. <laughs> I like that. I'm here for that. Oh, no, it's, like, that it's like pistachio. Pistachio. That's what I always thought it was. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And like, you know, there's listicles about misheard lyrics on BuzzFeed and shit, but it's still funny. Yeah. Keep, funny in the moment. Keep whining, I'm feeling good. <laughs> and you oh, think how wrong, like, how wrong you can be about a song and then you go, oh, my God, was it about that? Like that um, – Turning Japanese, I think, and turn, is about masturbating. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. That. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird, right? It's a bit racist, but yeah, it is. That's it's, a bit, it's a tiny bit. I mean, it is like, yeah. Okay, I'm not going there because that's just a hell in an editing suite. I'm not, no, yeah. not talking about any, like, I love. Well, you know, it's actually incorrect because I masturbate with my eyes way wide open. <laughs> <laughs> Down to stereotypes. You you self pleasure the way that suits you, world. Self pleasure. <laughs> hey, speaking of, of things like Thank that. With one eye open. <laughs> I'm on the short bus. I'm on the short bus. <laughs> Clem, Clem Ford is someone I think we should have on this show. Okay, cool, yeah, sure, sure. She is very out sexy. I'm not, I just sort of, I'm like, makes me uncomfortable, sexiness. It really does. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to do it. don't want to show it. But, you know, I love getting to use it, but that's different, right? Hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. She is as sexy does. Yeah. I mean, I, oh, we're talking about Clementine Ford, right? Yeah, yeah, Clem Ford. Let's let's put a bit of context to Clem Ford and why I mention her on on this is because I like love love uh, really great feminist thinkers, and that's who Clementine is in Australia. She's one of our she is our foremost, I believe, at the moment feminist thinker. Um, and yeah, we we just love her. I mean, unless yeah. we don't love her, in which case we've kind of waved the flag that says I might as well support Trump. <laughs> oh, like in Australia, like you can divide people. Do you like Glenn Ford? Yes, no, yes. Yeah, hell yeah. If you don't like her, you've something wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's yeah, yeah. Oh god, I'm gonna yeah. Anyway, I have the biggest crush on her. Can we just cut this out? Oh my god, no, yeah, sure, we can cut that out. <laughs> I think that is the perfect person in Australian life to have a girl crush on or no. Okay. And now this is the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about because it did strike me like I was reading. Okay. This is several strands of thought that are going to come together and make a weave. Okay. But I just need to mention them all one by one. Okay. So people marrying their friends to get the economic advantages of being in a couple People forming queerness to attract an audience Mm. that may be queer or may not be queer and the topic of queer baiting, the idea of having a girl crush, particularly a girl crush. So when we're talking about female culture here, just for a second, just one second, I'd like to 
am I? I can talk about female culture distinct from male culture. So the female culture has often been used, like girly sexiness has been used to attract money and men for years. Like that's, you know, but there's also sincere, honest, genuine female to female attraction and committed relationships with women who have never been interested in men. And I really yeah. like hearing from those women. I really do. I love hearing stories of like feminist, like sort of, um, what do you call them? Communes. But the problem is, yeah, is right. that whenever you introduce femininity and pregnancy and the potential for new life, there will be males being born into that community. So that still has to be addressed. But I think Clementine Ford gives you a really good perspective to negotiate some of those paths. She doesn't judge. She says, if your partner is breastfeeding, she'll say, if they are breastfeeding. And then you suddenly go, yeah, I get it. So I was watching this other video about this. Yeah. This Because Lil Nas has come out with this promo for his new CD. I don't like Lil Nas's music. I'll just say it. I don't think it's complex enough, and I find it a really bit boring. But I do like what he's presenting, but I also kind of am a bit like, is he performing this for the shock value? Because, yeah, I don't know. Well, so I think anyway. a bit of like column A and a bit of column B because I think that uh, queer sexuality is still something that's really suppressed in the media. So it's kind of like, um, you know, for him to be able to create videos that embrace um, gayness and, you know, homosexuality and queerness is kind of like, you know, um, almost like a revolutionary act. I yeah, I just wish the music was better. Totally. I'm there with you. They're not hooky. I've never really remembered a little Nas song. The yeah. Old Town Road thing, what the fuck was that? Like, sorry, I'm not a fan. And until he does something musically great, I'm really kind of just going to observe him more like a Matthew Barney performance artist because I think that's where he's actually better. Yeah, for sure. He is really interested in body performance. But again, he acknowledged at the beginning that he took most of those ideas from that first amazing video clip from FKA Twigs, who released that incredible cellophane. So that was direct reference to cellophane. So the music video wasn't original. The song wasn't particularly good. I'm just son of God. Cellophane from Chicago? I missed the cellophane. No, no, FKA Twigs. So FKA Twigs is this amazing song. Um, and hang on a minute, I'll do it though. Didn't I do it for you? Why don't I do it for you? Oh, Why I don't know. Okay. Do this for me. Cause all I do is for you. Anyway, so FKA Twigs is the young dancer. She's a mixed race, gorgeous girl. She's an incredible dancer. She's now going out with Maddie Healy from the 1975, but her ex-boyfriend was Robert Pattinson. Yeah, right. And she caught heaps of racial racial abuse for, like, just you're not good enough for him. What's he doing going out with you when she was going out with Robert Pattinson? And I think that she she's the person who is missing in this discussion now because it's all Lil Nas and isn't he daring? And, again, I'm sorry, that skews male. That's great and everything, but that's still not mm. the female perspective. Yeah, right, yeah. That's, what I would, that's where I would really support Clem and enjoy her input because that would be awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I just kind of feel like, you know, if we had her as a guest, I would just be like speechless and not know what to say. 
<laughs> just, um, oh, you know what? I tell you what, let's have her on the same day we have James A. Caster, and I'll just say, hey, here's Clem. And we'll just say, let them talk hey, about James A. Caster, and I'll just go, fuck. Tapping, 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 tapping. Yeah, they'll be, like, be like, so what do you two think? And they'll be like, oh, uh, 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 uh. I don't know. I refuse to turn into a pile of jelly. I, that's why I'm more comfortable talking to his dad because his dad likes Bonzo Dog Doodah Band and if James is happy and he's in a relationship, then that's great. I really am happy for him. But I still am really drawn to his world. There's something about him. I watched this amazing YouTube clip like not earlier today. Well, it was early today. Not, I was going to say not a minute ago, but it was more than that. Anyway, and Greg Davies from Taskmaster picks James Acaster and upside down. And I was thinking about that amazing feeling when you're a kid, which is what, what brought it up in the context is like you get lifted up and spun around. And like, so James Acaster has gone out to start this set saying, I'm leaving my toddler years behind me when people would just grab me by the arms and fling me around. And I don't know if I was having a good time. And then Greg Davies <laughs> says, that's totally Greg Davies perfectness. He says, would you like me to pick you up and turn you upside down to see how you feel about it? And like James Acaster goes, well, you can't, you can't pick me up. And then everyone in the audience and everyone on the panel just goes, oh, he can because he's huge and he's strong. So they do it and he actually picks James Acaster up and James, he makes his face like, oh, and then he, and then he puts him down and James is faced with this moment where he has to either stick with his material or admit that he's been, he's been outed as someone who actually enjoys it. And then he goes, I loved it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love his quickness. That's really what I like the most about him as a yeah. comedian. That's why I don't enjoy the stand-up shows as much as I enjoy the live, you know, the game shows. And I do like early stand-up. I like some of his stand-up. But I think the cold lasagna top of the tea bit really kind of was a bit yucky. And I didn't like that. And I don't. That's fine. So I think his comedy to be something that I don't really like, but I still really like him. So this is where I'm just finding myself in this just quagmire of yeah. non-being where I just don't know. I don't know if I've made a fool of myself by even talking about it, but when, well, that can just take a number. I've made a fool of myself before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's right. Embrace it. Dive right in. I've also oh. embarrassed other people. Chloe won't ever tell you this story, but she took me to a comedy show once in Hobart and I had just had a huge fight with a person who's uh, important to me and um, I had left left the place where I was staying in a real fit of peak and completely energised and I, all I wanted to do was have a glass of wine, several glasses of wine, and just forget to be... I don't know. Anyway, so I, I, I was there at the show. The, the first performer was really amazing. And then the second performer was this young white bloke. And I just went immediate, no, I'm not going to let you get away with anything. I don't know why. I'm sorry. <laughs> and he gets no, up no, and he, says, no. he gets up and he says, I'm going to do some magic. Can I have a volunteer for the audience? And I stuck my hand up and he said, all right. So I'm a psychic. What's your name? And I just. I went dead silent and I picked up my glass of wine and I looked him in the eye and I took a big, slow sip as if to say, if you're so psychic, tell me my name. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, it was actually quite a good joke, but it was really the wrong place and I embarrassed you and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for your friend too. Like he was doing a show and I fucked with it, but. That's all right. That's all right. I just like, 
I have terrible luck bringing my civilian friends to see stand-up comedy shows. Civilian. <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah, well, that's a nickname for for you and for everybody. No, no. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not a civilian. I understand performance as well as anybody. I have been on stage, in films, on the radio my whole fucking life. And that boy, he had missed a clear opportunity to be heckled. And really, I did him a service. I drew his attention to it. But it embarrassed you because it kind of showed that your friend had still got work to do. And I accept that. That's that's where the real rudeness is. is I was judging him and saying, "Yeah, yeah, get on your toes. But... I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's actually good for people. Like people telling you that you're amazing when you're actually really just average is one of the world's worst contributors to social fabric ever. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah, I kind of like, you know, I always struggle with the kind of perpetual um, feeling. The encouraging mediocrity is so weird because it's kind of like, because uh, I will, I will think, oh, well, this person needs the room to kind of get on, get on their trains. I'll, I'll be the first person to laugh. Oh, yeah. you'll support it. Yeah. Actually, I, I will clap louder and try and support people as well. But yeah, I, I, re- I feel really apologetic because I actually was trying to defeat him. It was like an arm wrestle and I just wanted to defeat someone and destroy them in that moment. And that's my own trauma yeah yeah that's the thing is i always sort of go oh like you know i'll I'll start this you know people can people can hide behind my laughter if i make a noise about it because have you noticed that audiences do that if someone and that's why adelaide audiences throw people because they don't respond they actually go really quiet they might enjoy the hell out of something but you won't hear a peep out of them until the huge applause at the end and that's adelaide so the feedback loop doesn't work there, and that's where I think a lot of comedians really struggle. But go on, because I think you're saying the same thing similar. Yeah, I it's just that, you know, like, uh, and, and, um, you know, when if, if a comedian says something that you, know, you can feel a, the audience is on the verge of clapping because they're almost kind of thinking that was really clever, I will be the first <laughs> person to clap. But then what will happen is you'll have people behind you that will go, well, let's not embarrass the person clapping. We're clapping too. <laughs> so... And no, the same and goes for laughter. And it's like um, if you I mean, laugh enough, people will go... Oh, okay. I, I can uh, I can hide behind this and we can this, you know. And you can manipulate an audience. I've seen some comedians do those fantastic set up the gear, set up the joke. And if you laugh at the first bit, you've outed yourself as someone who's not really following it. And then if you get the set, if you wait for the second part of the joke, you'll get it, and you won't be one of the first lot. Yeah. If you're, yeah. A, if you're a laugh to encourage and clap for politeness, then you feel like you've outed yourself as an idiot. And actually, yeah, you probably weren't really thinking, and you're kind of letting it become mediocre. And that's the mm-hmm. that's the line that I think is played that, so well. Yeah. But, um, I'm trying to think of the you you go. I'll try and think of the moment. That well, I, that's the other thing though is that I find myself wanting to encourage it, but then I am sort of part of me when I when I laugh, I think that was actually really crap. Um, <laughs> and I just and I'm just giving them misinformation. Like I'm sort of going. I'm what I'm saying is like nobody else here gets you, but I get you. <laughs> Are you lying when, to them? But it's like it's funny when they're not funny. Hmm. But it's Same such a double edged sword. Like, oh, yeah. Trying to think of like, oh, I was trying to think like, there's even a worse phenomenon which I've discovered recently, where an audience will clap a comic off stage, like. Um, oh my god, that sounds <laughs> like that, being blacklit. We have to go when your friend comes on. I'm just going to make a little reminder. We have to talk about blacklighting, and when an entire audience goes dark. 
Oh, okay. All right. A black blood, and that sounds scary. <laughs> it's a K-pop thing, and it is scary. Yeah, right. Okay. Because what will happen is a comic will be having a very mediocre response to this set, and the audience is kind of trying to be encouraging, but the audience really kind of isn't. Uh, they're not 100% enjoying themselves. Um, and then, nice loud. Yeah, and then the comic will kind of peak, uh, have have a peak in their in their set where it's like, well, you know, they've been up there. You can tell they're already they're about to close their set, but you know they'll have a big crescendo, um, of, of and and the audience will start to clap as if to go, yeah, that you made the last joke. That was the last joke. Got through it. They're almost like applauding you for getting through an uncomfortable performance <laughs> of your flute recital. And then it's like, and then regardless of whether you have a tag, whether you have still have a little bit left to go, whether you've got one more last thing to say, the audience has kind of made the decision for you. They've had, they've had enough and it's time for you to go. And, but it's so weird because it happens unspoken and not with a test, like nobody has agreed on it. It's just the audience just sort of goes, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, great, great, off you go. That famous subcontext exchange of power. Love it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, but it's such a strange film. I don't think I, me and many of my other comedian friends ever talked about it. But I remember th- seeing it a few times where it's like, oh, yep, yep, that's a good place then to get out while it's good. <laughs> well, though I can't provide the perspective of a real civilian, I would like to actually speak to that as a stage manager of a comedy show once. I had the job of getting people on and off the stage. And when a comedian is on a roll, they just keep going. And yeah, that's cool. yeah, they, like, you are still on a time and they don't really appreciate the wrap it up movement. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about <laughs> hogging it when it. Yeah, and it's know, fine. It's, it's, it's a bit like being greedy. And I'm, yeah. you know, I get it, but you're well, being it's greedy. Not, it's not, it's not. No, no, no this, this is at a, this is at a really tightly run. It's got to finish on time event, not, not a comedy night, which I think the, that's the reason why comedy nights are the way that they are because time time and energy take on different meanings in a comedy room, whereas mm. at a family event, you've got the next act, they're ready to go on. I have to get you off stage, even though you're killing it. You're great getting people to come to your show, but I know you're famous, but you need to wrap it up now. Come on, off the stage, <laughs> yeah, off yeah. the stage, get off the stage. I'm going to keep making these movements at you until you register that you have acknowledged me because I'm your stage manager. Get off the stage. Yeah, exactly. And that's where I find comedians are actually particularly tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's always that bit where it's like, um, well, I don't know, like, you know, um, my friend, bless him, <laughs> my friend once host was hosting a show. I've seen lots of comics do this, but they're hosting and the, this person, a friend of mine, like just chewed up 35 minutes off the top of the show. Just like, which is huge. If you're at, yeah, that's right. You get broken down into five minutes. Like, I've, comedians measure their performance in you can do a minute, you can do two minutes, you can do five minutes, you can do 10 minutes, then you can do 20, maybe 40. But oh my God, 35? Well, yeah, that's it. Like, welcome to the show, and here is me. Oh, oh gosh, hang on, let me bring on the first act. Like, you know, it's like the, the poor room music. runner is like waving at the back of the room, kind of going. That's like hijacking a plane. That's like hijacking a plane and flying it into something unpleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, yeah. Hey, that's Oh, I was just thinking, like, this is probably a full episode. Should we just, like, like 
say good night and I'll miss you so that the rest of the conversations that we may have today or another day are not the pressure because I love the podcast. I love you listeners. Yeah. I really do. But I've had my second dose of my AstraZeneca vaccination today. I've been in a weird place all week and Chloe, I love you. I'm so glad we got to talk about Amel and the Sniffers. Go check out the new album and but like we'll find a way to put on the Facebook a link to some mutts because it's a fucking brilliant song and you should listen to it. And Errol. Yeah. 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 And you should Hell probably yeah. find a way to share more of the links and stuff that we're talking about actually because we do talk about a lot of cool stuff. And that's yeah. like you have to go and watch it. Do we have a Facebook page yet? Is that one of the things we've been We do, but actually Facebook has just really shifted gears a lot. And I'm kind of thinking I don't really want to put everything on Facebook because I don't know if you're aware, but like there was a high court ruling recently about the case of the young fella in the detention centre in the Northern Territory. Um, he was suing for defamation about comments that were made on a Facebook page and the the High Court has decided that technically Facebook or that page, you know, the person who owns that page is the publisher of that comment. So unless you're going to moderate, if you're actually liable for anything that gets said by anyone on your wow. page. Oh so that's a huge shift. And I don't think people like you, what I tell you what, just sit back with your popcorn and watch the news stories break about people who are going down because of stuff that's on Facebook pages that they manage. Unless, yeah. unless, and this is probably more likely, there is a deal being done over the course of this weekend that will get squeaked in at like 4.59 on Monday in the parliament mm-hmm. and we'll never know about it. But it will actually exonerate people from that, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, let's be careful then. <laughs> and I think people are leaving Facebook in droves. Sort of like, you know, people are, are kind of moving, migrating to Instagram and stuff. Are people, well, that's owned by Facebook, but I like I know, it if people are but... younging out of Facebook because Facebook has become too big for anybody well, to handle. Yeah. And like, what, is... what we all really need to do, we all need to unplug, go watch yeah. the social network. Go and also then we need to watch something with a bit more female content. Although Rashida Jones and Rooney 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 Mara are amazing in that film and I love them. It's really Mm. a film film about young straight white blokes and technology, which is cool. But I'm pretty sure that opinion's been covered. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like you know, I think there's too many troglodytes on Facebook and other platforms like. Instagram are really like kind of almost more one way. You're more, you're more in control and direction of the narrative. Like something like Instagram, where it's like this is a photo. You can look at this photo and then interpret interpret the intended meaning of this photo. But you know, um, Facebook is like more of a forum where people can voice more of their opinions and get themselves into more dickheadishness. Like, well, and also Facebook is the classic confirmation bias silo in that it's a self-serving network that encourages you to form links with people who already believe what you believe. So it doesn't encourage discourse or debate or critical thinking, and that's part of its appeal. But Mm -hmm. I think if you accept that as being true, then you probably would be better off just posting non-liable content to Facebook in general. Yeah. I changed my words on Facebook quite a lot because I got I got involved with some like I really wanted to help some people and I I sent money and then I sent more money and then it just never seemed to be solved and I was like 
actually, I think this is starting to damage me and I can't help you. And it was really a horrible moment, but I was like, and I don't know you. That was when it kicked in with, actually, I don't know you. You're not part of my community. I wish you all the best. I've done what I can, but I've got to go now. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, so I think Facebook does enable you to draw those lines, but it also enables mm. you to be exploited along those lines. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, good night, Australia. Yeah, good night. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> favorite moment from Young Talent Time. Yeah, yeah. I feel more and more self-conscious and weird than when that when this bit comes up. <laughs> no, perfect. I love it because Johnny Young is so odd, and yet, like Daryl Summers and um, Steve Vizard and Eddie Maguire and every weird white older bloke who's ever talked to you down the TV, Ray Martin, Jeff, so Jeremy Gordo, all of them, they all look exactly the same and I'm not sure that this will meet with their approval. But that's cool because um, he's bringing us young talent and it's young talent time. Yeah, young talent time. That's right. With um, a whole bunch of, you know, Joey Peroni, Danny Minogue, Carly Minogue. Gre- Greta Thunberg. Yeah. Yeah. Who? The <laughs> it's young talent time. How about that young tennis player who won the tennis? She got yeah. $2.5 million. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I think the Brilliant. guard is changing. The guard is changing, Chloe. Yeah. Changing the guard is occurring right now. And young exactly. people are taking up the mantle of responsibility. And like that bit in the Crown episode, which I love about the fog, yours is the world and everything in it. The fullness thereof belongs to you. The young people take up the mantle of change because this is your world. And I think that's never been truer. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're young, do not be do not be held back by anyone older than thirty. They don't know you are, the <laughs> and it's yeah. cool. And people like me and Chloe have actually been on your side a long time. And you Absolutely. might not recognise us, like the socialist doesn't recognise us on the bus, and that's cool. We we yep. admire your enthusiasm. We acknowledge. I okay. One of the best quotes I ever heard about youth was, "The young are not nurtured." They are resented for their youth and judged judged for their unworldliness. And I think yeah, there's right. something amazing in that because when you are supporting young people, you can't just forget that you know everything that you know, but you can yeah. also be incredibly impressed by their passion. And, and if we work together, old and young, we can actually find an unassailable perspective with mm. which to move the world forward, but we're never going to find it if we keep fighting amongst ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Ooh, wow. Ooh, wow. <laughs> Say Oh, I was going to start <laughs> from the beginning. Tomorrow, <laughs> kiss you. Remember, I'll always be true. It sounds a bit like Elvis, though. Good night, Australia.
and scene.